0: The recordings you are about to hear have been declassified and released by the British Ministry of Defence. These files cover the period from 1950 to the present day, and provide the first indications that we are not alone. Scientists have discovered a way of inducing a lucid dream state that is almost indistinguishable from reality. A spokesman says they have been dreaming of this point for many years and are delighted that it has become a reality, or has it? Scientists have discovered that there may be something to lay lines after all. By abandoning the need to draw straight lines and allowing zigzags, they have found that all the lines in Britain converge on a single henhouse in Cheltenham with a particularly high egg yield. Epping and Mr. and Mrs. Trailer Caravan have queried their phone bill on account of numerous calls at all times of day and night made to the speaking clock. The calls are traceable back to their phone and suggest a haunting, Mrs. Trailer Caravan says she's seen nothing in the house, and if she did, she wouldn't give it the time of day. Maidstone, 2005.
1: <laughs> Hello there. Can I help you? I'd like to set up an ethical bank account, please. Oh,
2: excuse me. I thought you were in here for the other thing. Other thing? It's nothing, nothing. We have a, a range of ethical investment options. Here's a pamphlet. They have a variety of ways that they can invest your money, all of which are very low on profit. I mean, offer sound ethical investments. What's that noise? What noise? I can't hear anything. That banging. Banging? Oh, I expected something ethical. Excuse me, is Susie free? Ah, Susie. No, I I don't know anyone called Susie. I mean, what are you implying? How dare you? This is an ethical bank. Susie the mortgage advisor? Oh! Ooh, Susie, the mortgage advisor.
3: Only I'm very late with my mortgage and she might want to tell me off. She's very strict. No, sorry. Susie only does Wednesdays. Oh, just a massage then. I think you want next door, Reverend.
2: Now, where was I? Oh, excuse me just a moment. <coughs> Got it. Damn thing's been pestering us for weeks. Was that a cat? No, no, just a kitten. Where were we? Ah, yes. Ethical. Ethical, ethical, ethical. Well, first of all, we have a Christian investment account. Here, all of your money
1: goes towards bombing the Middle East. Do you have something that invests in ethical businesses? I see. What, like human trafficking? I was thinking something more ecological. Washing powder?
2: Well, we have an account where your money goes into a massive pharmaceutical company. On the plus side, it comes out clean. Excellent for laundering.
1: Not exactly
4: moral, though. Oh,
2: bless. Can I introduce you to Mr Squandering, our manager?
4: Hello, nice to meet you.
2: Coke on your lip. Mr Coke on your lip. No, no, you've got Coke on your lip. Ah, whoopsie.
4: Is this my mallet? Yes, fresh seals are at the back. Smashing. Oh, uh, did you give Donatelli the plain brown envelope with the... Of course. Marvellous. Ciao.
2: Such a nice man. Oh, haven't I told you about our penitence account? It doesn't earn any interest at all. Now, you should think of your money as our money. And we don't look after anything as carefully as our money. I think I'll try somewhere else. Can I tempt you with some insurance to cover you until you make it out of the bank onto the pavement? You never know what might happen. No, thank you. Your choice. Mr Markling, unleash the ices. <laughs> Hello? Hello, Mr Donatelli. We've got some more
0: lasagna for your restaurant. Bracknell, 1999.
5: Hello, come in. Mrs Juniper, is it? Hello, yes, I called. My name is, would you like to have a seat, Catherine? And if you don't mind, would you like a cup of coffee? I need to ask you a few questions, or a a cup of tea. Coffee, please. Now, on the phone, when we spoke, it sounded like quite an unusual case for us, when we spoke, on the phone, when we spoke. Unusual, yes. That's great. Now, please try and keep milk and sugar, your answers. Make yourself comfortable, as clear and concise as you possibly can. Or cream. To avoid any possible confusion. Did you give your name? No, thank you. Mrs Juniper. I see. So what brings you to us? Here you go. How can we help? In summary. I think my child may be gifted. I see. You're going to give him away? N- no, I mean he has gifts. It's his birthday. He has second sight. He wears glasses. He can see into the future. Oh, I see. Now can you, in as few words, sum up your experiences as possible? He has had
6: experiences on the stairs. Ah, trips. No. Slips. No. Falls. I mean he sees things. What sort of things? Only the other week he saw a man. A visitor? No.
5: A lodger? No. A lover? There was no one else in the house. I thought your son was in the house. He was. So only your son was in the house? Yes. And not this other man? No. Where was he then? On the stairs. Outside the house? No, in the house. But only your son was in the house? On the stairs. With the man? There was
6: no man. Well,
5: I'm no investigator, but I don't think this stacks up. Was there a man or wasn't there, in your opinion? He can see things that aren't really there. Like a mirage? No. Like a mirror? No. Like a photograph? No, like a being from the other side. The other side of the room? No. The other side of the channel? No. The other side of the moon? No, the dark side. The dark side of the moon? No, forget the moon, forget the moon. Oh, you wouldn't understand... Are you a sensitive? I always sit like this. I wonder, may I ask, Mrs Juniper, have in your experience there been any other events that you would like to describe
6: as anomalous in your family? I believe so, yes. My husband has been pursued by strange objects in the sky. I've taken a number of photographs featuring strange spheres of light. Oh, and Uncle Brian was an alien. And what exactly, in your own words, can we, Hastings and Pullman,
5: do for you, do you think, in our capacity as... Dietitians. Do you think
6: it's enough of an excuse for me to have a donut? No. Slaw,
0: 1989. Good morning. You must be Jim. I am a time traveller from 1951, come to the future to make sure you've made good on your promises. But don't worry, I explained all that later. Promises? Think of it as an audit. I'm here to inspect your paperless office. Paperless office? Yes, quite clearly, in 1975, you stated you'd have a paperless office. I'm here to make sure you haven't let us all down on your promises. Well, The penalty for which would be complete extermination
1: from the timeline. Now,
0: paperless office.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, not not a single sheet of paper. (laughs) Anywhere. I read an article on it once, in one of the papers. I've got a copy here, if you'd like to see it. Paper copy? Hm? Joke. <laughs> Are those printers over there? No, never been used. Never. People only use them for printing stuff out. I see. I mean
0: for reading things. So you do have paper, then?
1: No. Well, well, only briefly. Then they destroy it once they've read it. No filing cabinets, you see. Our paper usage has fallen dramatically. Has it? No, actually. I just can't understand it. Hello?
6: Here's that document you asked for. I didn't ask for that. Yes, you did. When? About five minutes ago. You
1: misunderstood. Is this a fax machine? Yes. It's a paperless fax machine. And these leaflets on the notice board? Are made entirely of plastic. We used every trick in the book. And the book? It's printed on extremely thin sheets of specially manufactured cheese. Right. Can you tell me where the toilet is? Yes. Just at the end of the corridor here. I should warn you though. What? There's no paper in it. Excellent.
2: So, here we are, Sergeant Castard. This is the room in which the eminent Egyptologist Sir Walter Biscutcheon was found dead. The only clue is that he was clutching a first edition copy of his famous book, The Complete Guide to Pyramidology,
3: in his hand. What can it all mean? Well, if I might hazard a guess, Mr Auburn, I'd say it was something to do with Baskutian's prediction in his book. Prediction? If I remember correctly, through his interpretation of hieroglyphics, Baskutian believed that the world would end in October 1952.
2: But it's now January 1953, Sergeant.
3: Ah, but there was a second edition of his book, sir. Realising his error, Biscutian returned to the hieroglyphics and reinterpreted
1: them and came up with a revised prediction. Make way, make way. I am the great detective Alfonso Caretti and I am here to investigate the strange death of the eminent Egyptologist Sir Walter Biscutian. But we're investigating the death of Egyptologist Sir Walter Biscutian. No, I am from the second edition of the novel in which the author decides to replace his unremarkable detective Robert Auburn with I, Alfonso Caretti, an overstext Italian with superior detecting skills. Thus, to dispel the myth that he could not write emotional content. When he described the rows of stone in the pyramid set back from one another, he had them in tears. But I
2: don't understand. You would not. You are bland. I'll have you know that despite my interest in opera,
1: I have a drinking problem and am having an illicit affair with a church organist. <laughs> you have the libido of a postmenopausal panda with an antidepressant addiction. There is less action in your trousers than in half an hour at daytime television. Enough of you. Let me talk about myself. I am a tall, dark Italian aristocrat. I bring women to orgasm when I raise my eyebrow. Lus Crikey. It was even worthwhile my investing in a quick-release trousers at a time-saving measure. I say no more. Where were we, Sergeant Gastart? The only clue is that he was clutching a second edition copy of his famous book, The Complete Guide to Paleomidology, in which through diligent re-examination of his earlier text, he concluded that the world would end in December 1952. That's right, sir. Turncoat! I bet it's not even a real Italian with an accent like that. But what I still don't understand
3: is why would anyone want to murder him for a prediction which has already been proven to be false.
6: Ah, well, you wouldn't, Sergeant. And who, who are, are you? you? My name is Miss Mallard, an ostensibly harmless and well-dressed little old lady with a sherry addiction and who may secretly be a lesbian. Although, being 1950, we don't speak about these things. I have an incisive mind and feature in the third edition of this novel, in which the writer decides to play the whole thing as a comic pastiche. I have in my rather large handbag a third edition of Sir Walter's book. But the cover
2: has on it a sphinx with no nose. How does it smell? Terrible! Terrible. I do
1: understand this a little old lady.
6: In the third edition of his book, Sir Walter tired with making predictions about the end of the world which never came true. Instead, he decided to sell the business of making predictions about the future to a series of subscribers, who in turn find further subscribers. A
3: pyramid scheme. Indeed. And it was one of these subscribers that killed him because he realised that none of the predictions would ever come true.
6: Precisely.
3: But what happens at the end of the third edition
1: of the novel?
6: Well, ironically, after the final summing up, the author couldn't think of a proper denouement. So the world ends.
1: Isn't that Spanish?
6: No, if I know, love. Colchester,
1: 1971. We have here in the studio Jason Occasionally, who has developed a new kind of artificial intelligence routine. Hello, Jason. Hello. Is it true that you've developed a new kind of artificial intelligence?
2: Yes. I
1: see. And and I hear that it's virtually indistinguishable from talking to a real human being? Yes. Good. (laughs) Can I talk to it? Yes. Right. Here we go, then. Hello. 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 I, I, I understand you're a completely new form of artificial intelligence?
6: Yes. Good.
1: Is it true that you're virtually indistinguishable from a human being? Yes. Amazing! What will they come up with next? Hi, Martin. Great party. Yeah. or oh, not as good as last time.
2: No, no. If you ask me, Monster Club has gone downhill since the werewolves have moved in. Neighborhood's going to the dogs. Hey, come on. Is that you or the green-eyed monster talking? No, no. He's in the corner over there talking to the monster from under the bed. Who's that new guy over there with the black eye? I don't know. He was saying he went to a film premiere and
0: a fight broke out. Wow. Oh, he's a monster hit at the box office. Oh. Bishop's Green, 2013.
5: Hello, Mrs Sanderson. This is your lawyer. I'm pleased to tell you that your appeal has been successful. Oh,
7: good!
5: What appeal was that, then? Ah, yes. Due to reasons of national security, it was necessary to hold your appeal in secret without your knowledge. What was it
7: appealing against?
5: It was the appeal against your secret trial. This was also held in secret due to the classification of the charge. Fortunately, the secret appeal found that the secret trial was unlawful due to the cover-up.
6: What cover-up?
5: Between you and me, I think the cover-up has been covered up but it's important you don't tell anyone. You want
7: me to cover it up? Yes, but keep
5: it yourself. I'm confused. What was I tried for? I'm afraid I'm not at liberty to disclose. I should warn you that the government are appealing against the appeal on the grounds that it too was held in secret and therefore unlawful.
7: Hmm. When was this trial?
5: Well, it's hard to say for certain, but you were tried in front of 12 of your peers, who unfortunately weren't cleared to see the evidence. Although, as it happened, none of them turned up as they weren't permitted to know the location. Of course, they wouldn't have been permitted entry even if they had. Anyway, you're due to be released on Monday. Released? Yes. You have been held on highly classified charge without your knowledge for the last 10 years. I hope it hasn't got in the way of anything. Anyway, there will be a period of two months in which you'll be assigned a caseworker to ease your transition back into the community.
7: I see. When do I meet him?
5: Meet him? Hmm. I can see why you got into trouble going around asking questions like that.
0: Liddington, 1985. And this is the Home of the Future showroom.
2: It accurately reflects the home design in the year 2000. Shall we go in? What do you mean?
1: Well, isn't this the porch?
2: No, no, this is the living room. And uh, here is the smallest room.
6: The toilet?
2: The kitchen. And you'll notice that as part of its space-saving design, we've centralised all that space-hungry storage into this tiny space under the sink. The other thing about modern housing, the estate agent's blurbs are entirely prefabricated. And through here...
1: This room is enormous! Oh, gosh! It's huge! And a really high ceiling?
2: No, oh, the people of the future hardly ever come into this room. It seems like a real waste of space.
6: What do you call it?
0: Outside. Brian Atrocity tells us about the time he was injured when his home was invaded by fire ants. Fortunately, he was able to call 999 and order ambulance. Much-loved levitation guru Rob Lighter Than Air Matthews has announced his intention to enter politics and has set up his own political party. He said he aims to pick up floating voters. And in a heartwarming story, Chris Material has written in praise of four-footed friends. His family dog saved his life by keeping him warm after he slipped and broke his leg on an ice floe. Apparently, the accident happened while he was climbing onto an ice floe to rescue the family dog. This week's talk was to have been given by Richard Hierarchical, an advocate of the hollow earth theory. We booked several weeks in advance, but unfortunately he fell through.
6: Thank you for coming today. In case any of you missed the news, the worst has happened and the world has been devastated by a nuclear event. 50% of the world's population was wiped out in an instant and it's forecast that a further 40% will die from radiation sickness over the coming weeks. But, you know, worst things happen at sea. Do help yourselves to coffee, by the way, um, at the back there. No biscuits, I'm afraid. No. No.
7: Oh, well. sure.
6: So, it's up to us to rebuild a society that can take us forward and one day recover from this terrible event. Now, I understand you've had some initial thoughts amongst yourselves. So, firstly, who is responsible for agriculture? Oh, that, 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 that's me. Excellent. Uh, I assume you're suitably qualified. Oh, yes, yes. I studied PPE at Oxford. Oh, Physical <laughs> education? No, no. Philosophy, politics and economics. I see. So, um, you understand farming? Well, I, I, I'm something of a generalist. Hmm. Right. Right. So, uh, infrastructure then. Who is the person responsible for revitalising all the world's machinery and restoring power and water to people's homes?
1: Oh, sorry, that that's me. Excellent. I did PP at Oxford too. Oh,
6: hello, well, old boy. Nice to see you again. Yes. Right. And healthcare? Uh, hello,
4: it's me. Uh, by coincidence, I was with these three at Oxford. Yeah.
6: Don't tell me. PPE? Uh, absolutely.
4: Uh, were you at Bullington? Uh, the club or the prison? <laughs> Either. Uh, both, actually.
6: Right. And media? Who's looking after our communications?
4: Oh, that's
3: me, Trevor Gordon. Oxford PPE. Oh, well, this is splendid. We all have
6: a good round education. <laughs> I think there's more to building a team than spending four years together at Oxford. Uh,
4: we were all at Eton together, too. Yeah, yeah we, we were even in all in the same house.
6: Uh, uh, oh, you
2: were Slytherin, too? And it was a free and democratic election. It was a fair choice between me and Bolkin, uh,
1: Oh, Bolkin! <laughs>
2: Didn't he do PPE at Oxford? Yes, yes. Whatever happened to him? Oh, he starved to death at an all-you-can-eat buffet, waiting
1: for the waiter. Oh, very sad. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. And who voted in this election? Well, everyone. Well, everyone who did PPE.
6: Look, I don't mean to be rude, but are you
1: sure you're qualified for this? Absolutely. <laughs> you wouldn't get an economic recovery without a sound understanding of Milton. Uh, he, he was a poet. Not Milton. <laughs> Keynes? Oh. He's the one. I, I was getting mixed up.
6: Right. Did anyone in this room not do PPE at Oxford? B, no. I did PPE at Cambridge. I think it's important that at least one of us stays in
7: contact with the common man. Or
6: Cambridge. Does anyone here have the slightest tangential understanding of building, logistics, healthcare? Uh, I do. Right. So, please tell me you did medicine or engineering or
5: something. Well, I have a PhD in mechanical engineering. Oh. Excellent! Oh. And a second degree in medicine. Oh, That's fantastic. Oh. And what's your role in the new world? Me? Oh, I'm just doing the catering.
3: Oh, yeah. Quite right. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to How Things Work. My name's Tony, and this week me and my friend Sarah are looking at nuclear power.
7: I think you're very sad.
3: Why am I sad, Sarah?
7: Because you're over forty and your only friend is six and a half.
3: Nuclear power comes from atoms.
7: Two words. Operation U Tree.
3: Did the producer tell you to say that? No. Atoms are very small, far too small to see.
7: How can something so small cause so much trouble?
3: My question exactly. Nuclear power comes from radioactive substances such as uranium.
7: What does radioactive mean?
3: Radioactivity is when an atom splits and emits a tiny particle.
7: Can we see it? No. Radioactivity isn't very interesting then, is it?
3: Well, I think it's very interesting.
7: But you are a boring man. I am
3: not boring.
7: Your producer thinks you are. What?! N- never
3: mind. When the atom splits, it releases a small amount of energy. Boring. And because of there are thousands and thousands of these atoms...
7: Is it true that you once run over a cat?
3: No! They produce enough energy to heat the water.
7: The producer says you ran over your wife's cat. And
3: when the water gets really hot, it boils.
7: You must really hate cats. I
3: do not hate cats. It was an accident. I did not deliberately run over a cat.
7: I think you hate cats. I do not
3: hate cats, just small children.
7: Tony hates children, Tony hates children.
3: Oh, bollocks. Well, this is the last in my current career as a children's television presenter. We'll be back with a new series in the summer, with some other sod presenting it, when we'll be looking at what contractual arrangements are necessary to get someone to work with a six-year-old.
7: I'm six and a half!
4: Mrs. Dead by Morning? I'm sorry. Are you Mrs. Dead by Morning? Oh, wait, I misread my notes. Mrs. found hanging from the light fitting in the living room. Nah, that can't be right. Ah, here we are. Jones, is it?
5: I'm Mrs. Jones, yes.
4: Unusual name. There's no need to be irrationally terrified of my dark suit and unmarked car. May I come in? Who are you? I'm with the government, Mrs Jones. I wanted to talk to you in private. In
5: private? Yes.
4: We're trained not to mention the fact that you may have seen a UFO while we're standing out on your doorstep, so I'd like to come inside so that your screams are less audible. I see. You'd better come in. Right. Just a moment. Point two. Make the citizen feel relaxed. Right. Would you like a cup of tea? Lie down. I do a marvellous shiatsu. Do you have any ID? That's a kind of massage, by the way, in case there was any confusion.
5: I'd like to see some ID. In
4: case you thought I was talking about some kind of ornamental excretion.
5: ID. Ah,
4: yes. Here we go. Mr card. That's me. Now, about this UFO... Can you tell me what you saw?
5: Well, I was out in the field... Blah,
4: blah, 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 strange lights in the sky. Do you think I'm some kind of idiot, Mrs Jones? Do you think anyone believes that kind of nonsense? Shall I remove my hat so that you can see I don't have a particularly small cranial capacity? My birthday is the 2nd of October, 1957. That is, I wasn't born yesterday.
5: That's today's date.
4: My point exactly. Now, I need to just set up this strange piece of equipment. Blast. I never can remember which way round this goes... Now, look straight ahead. There we are. Have we met before? What was that? What? Goodness, where did you get that strange piece of equipment? I used to have one just like it. Let me check my notes a moment. Mrs Jones? Yes. Now. Point three: Extract the information from the citizen by whatever means necessary. Mrs Jones, would you describe yourself as ticklish? No. Tell me what you remember about last Friday. I
5: explained all this to the police. Ah,
4: but I am a specialist, Mrs Jones. Exactly what are you a specialist in, Mr Barclaycard? Card? Who's Mr Barclaycard? Card? I thought
5: that was your name. Whatever
4: gave you that idea? My name is... my name is... Slim Shady? Uh, do you mind if I use your machine a moment? I can never remember which way round this goes. <laughs> There you have it. These UFOs shouldn't trouble you any more, Mrs... Don't I know you from somewhere? I'm sorry. I never forget a face. Whoa! Who's that?
5: It's a mirror.
4: Curious. I'll see myself out. This way, is it? That's the cellar. I came in through the cellar? Don't forget your machine. What machine's that, then?
5: The machine you brought in with you. What does it do? This is the way out. You press that button, I think. This button here? Well, nice to meet you. You too. Good day. What a strange man. Oh, he must have forgotten something. Hello,
4: Mrs. Doorbell. My name is Visa. Can I come home?
3: Textbook cover-drive, that jaunty.
4: Textbook indeed, Monty.
3: Do you know, I don't think there is anything on God's earth as fine as a day at the cricket. The cut square, the pressed whites, the thud of leather on willow. The
4: illogical field placings.
3: The impenetrable laws. The stale sandwiches. The values of decency, fair play, nostalgia. Fair play. Nostalgia is not what it used to be. Nostalgia. Not the same with our old Virginia. She loved the game, you know. Did she? She did. And the game killed her. Oh, I say. I had no idea. Come often, did she? Sorry? To matches. She came to many matches? Oh, she never came. She just liked me being out of the house. How did it kill her, then? A stray ball. Went over the pavilion just as she was trimming the begonias. Caught her in the head. Knocked her for six. Gosh, how awful. Found her face down in the fish pond. Still, it was a good innings. Naneton lost by three wickets. She never saw it coming, of course. Twenty years of marriage. If I have one regret, if she'd been paying attention, she could have caught Lindley out.
4: Golden, bravo. Well done, sir. Good knock. Who's
3: this coming in now? Uh, Dolivera, I think. Excellent. He can put it about a bit. Ooh,
4: Go home! Back to where you came from! Is that chap booing? I believe so. Whatever for? He appears to be pointing out that because Dolivero does not hail from the fields of Albion, he's in some way substandard on the field of play. Is that not racialist? An over-literal
3: interpretation of the term cricket whites, certainly. Well, that's just not cricket. He may be many things. He may have a propensity to fiddle everything to leg rather than playing with a straight bat. He may be vulnerable outside off stump when the ball is swinging. He may be working class. He's not. Is he? Is he not? Irrespective, the pigment of the gentleman's skin has no relevance. Someone should say something. Someone should say something. It's just not cricket. Ice
7: creams, cold drinks, get your ice cream. Tell
1: you what, darling, I will not mind facing your bouncers. That'll
7: be three and six.
1: Did you... did you hear that? I believe it was the same chap as before.
3: I can scarcely believe my ears.
4: They are very large. Not
3: my ears... My ears are not the issue here. The fact that I can still hear a heartbeat of a winged pheasant at 30 paces and track Sputnik without the aid of a velociraptor is beside the point. The point being, the point, the point, the point is that by all means marvel at the texture of the young lady's rum and raisin, or the fragrance of her raspberry ripple. It is quite proper to take her to task on the temperature of her dandelion and burdock, but the size of her... Breasts, or indeed any other part of her anatomy, have no bearing whatsoever. Someone should say something. Someone should say something. It's just not cricket.
4: <laughs>
3: Shot, young man.
4: It looks like our chap might be going. Good riddance. I say. What's that? Did that chap just.
3: Did he just drop his serviette? Just. Napkin, old boy. He just dropped it. There. Right there. Just. dropped it. Just. Outrageous. Someone
4: should say. You something. there!
3: Yes, you! I'm talking to you! You snivelling snotbag! You pulsating pile of pulverised phlegm! You arse-entwined excremental shred of toilet tissue dangling from the anus of humanity! Pick that up! Pick it up! Yes, that there you discarded as though it was a piece of rubbish!
1: It is a piece of rubbish! Is this Is why our
3: fathers fought and died at Verdun? Did I fight my way through Egypt and Libya for you to casually litter the Temple of Cricket, this blessed plot, this little world, this realm, this England, with your spoiled serviette side effects of your recreational dairy consumption? Napkin. Is this why Jonty here saw our bravest and finest slaughtered on the Western Front? I was a solicitor's cark and deviser's perforated eardrum. You people may be sick undermining the very fabric upon which this great empire is built. Take your unwanted emissions, take your unwanted presence, slink back to the slime-stained subterranea from which you came, and never, do you hear me, never return. Shot.
0: So the next time that there's a nuclear war that wipes out all civilization, remember that we are not alone. We Are Not Alone was written by John Thrower and Andrew Fletcher and performed by them with Matt Nation, Lisa Walsh, Lucy Brownhill, Tim Hounsom and Verity Neves. It was produced by John and Lisa Thrower and edited by Nathan Rowe. For a full list of credits and more information about the show, visit our website at www.wearenotalone.co.uk.